This episode of Converge with my guest, Nick Loper, is sponsored by Gobi Collective. Gobi is my favorite community for creative entrepreneurs on the internet, and it's built from the ground up to inspire, equip, and catalyze you and your business. For more information, check out gobicollective.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things, and when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. There are so many resources on the planet that can tell you how to go find your way. Uh, but there's not many resources that suggest that you could actually find your way on the side while you're paying the bills. Well, Nick Loper helps people earn money outside of their day job. He's an author. He's an online entrepreneur. He's a lifelong student and the game of business. And candidly, that's probably what serves him most is he's always learning. He's always curious. And his latest role is as the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com. It's a growing community and resource for aspiring and part-time entrepreneurs. And notice part-time does not mean like not legit. It's amazing what you can pull off if you have eyes to see what's possible. I mean, if you just look at what he has done, Nick has produced more than 120 episodes of the Side Hustle show, which was nominated for Best Business Podcast in 2015. He's earned income 11 different ways. It's 11 different streams of income just in the last quarter. He's had the opportunity to speak at TEDx on millennial entrepreneurship. So this is really in line and in tune with most of the folks that are, are trying to make something out of what they make. This is a great combination of conversations that I think could really serve how you could maximize what you're doing and really see more return on your investment than you ever knew possible. It's not necessary in this day and age to you know jump off the cliff into the unknown. That's kind of the mission of the site is to showcase people who got started on the side. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Nick, welcome to Converge. Dane, thanks for having me. I'm so stoked that you're here, man. I uh, I stumbled on you. I was just pure consumer and uh, found myself at uh, Side Hustle Nation and le learning and reading and getting on your list. And I just thought, man, this there's just such great quality content. And in a world where there's so much content being produced and not all of it is at the same caliber, it's not all quite as, uh, let's call it, helpful and honest <laughs> out there. And yours is legit, man. And I I, um, I don't say that endorsement lightly, uh, but talk a little bit about your journey uh, to be in the position that you're in, all from, you know, working things on the side. Well, I'm happy that you discovered it. It means my evil genius marketing plan must be working. The Like, like you said, it's, it's just a lower risk brand of entrepreneurship. It's not necessary in this day and age to, you know, jump off the cliff into the unknown. And I'm the risk averse person who can never do that anyways. Like I want to know where the grocery money is going to come from next month, where the rent money is going to come from next month. And, you know, just jumping off into the unknown, like some people can do that, but, uh, but I was never that person. And so that's kind of the mission of the, of the site is to showcase 
people who got started on the side and kind of share my own experiments in trying to build these uh, different part-time businesses. I'm like very, very wary of becoming the you know, the cliche, like I make money online by telling other people how to make money online yeah, yeah. kind of guy. And so it's trying to find that balance between being uh, a practitioner uh, more so than being a preacher. And so I'm trying to, trying to find that balance of, of like actually doing the work and then reporting back on, you know, what actually, uh, what actually worked and what the results were. And, and a lot of times what didn't work. You know what I love about that, and 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 by the way, as someone who's who's kind of messed that kind of idea up historically, I know that feeling of like kind of an aspirational business where I want to go somewhere, and I find myself as a or an instructor sometimes, and I and I you know I'll come home from a talk or something, and I'll be like, do I actually live that? Or my wife will remind me and say, you know, do you actually listen to your own talks once in a while? <laughs> <laughs> and and I appreciate that candor because I think I think we live in an age where. There's so much content out there, uh, and there's so many people who are kind of asserting their their own platform. It can feel like, you know, who do I listen to? And it does seem like the folks that are actually doing something, they they should have the most authority. But but talk a little bit about how you got to this. Like, how did you stumble into this notion of of creating eleven different side businesses simultaneously? <laughs> Well, and I, and I, for full disclosure, like many of them are not very large. In fact, a lot of them are not very large, but they all piece together to, but, but that's to part, earn a decent living. Yeah, That's part of the strategy, right? It's not about you're saying, hey, I'm a 11 gazillionaire. You're saying I'm actually diversifying my risk by creating several streams. So if any one fails, it's like, it's like a RAID system for your computer. It seems like it's, it, you have backup. Yeah, because if you're in the position where you're relying on one source of income, and, and for most people that's their day job, I think that's an inherently risky position to be. And I think the recession, you know, sh- showed that to to a lot of people in a very very blunt way and say you are no longer employed here, and and now what? You know, now what do we do? And so trying to uh, diversify those income streams, whether that's through a business, whether that's through investment, whatever whatever it means that may be. And the funny thing is, like that was my, you know, mission to to like quit my corporate job and and you know do this online thing. And my first business on day one of of self employment, right? I was in the exact same position. I was relying on one source of income. Like I had a little bit more control over it, so I thought. But I was in, you know, still relying on one source of income, and in that case, relying very very heavily on one source of traffic, which was Google Ads. And they, you know, put me in their place uh, on a couple of different occasions. And that, so that was very scary uh, as well. So since then, I've been trying to trying to diversify a little bit. Well, let's talk a little bit about risk, because it, it seems like the theme of today, if you're listening at home, uh, where we're going to go is we're going to talk a little about risk and we're going to talk a little bit about possibility. And in the middle, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe a little neutrality or stoicism or something. But uh, I my my gut tells me that uh, if someone who is a self-declared risk-averse person, and you are clearly not alone, like I think a lot of folks who want to create something online, they want to make something out of what they make, um, they doesn't mean that they're that kind of front edge, all in, willing to risk it all entrepreneur. Or it might be that they might have that kind of a bias, but they have real responsibilities. So it's not just them going all in. Like I mentioned before we started the conversation today, I have a friend I met with yesterday who has these uh, this perspective that he doesn't like his job very much, 
but he doesn't, he didn't see much possibility. And he, and he, he, like you said, I'm not very, I don't want to take a bunch of risks. I have a second kid about to arrive and I'd like my wife to not leave me. So, <laughs> so how do I, how do I work this out? And it seems like you're talking directly to those people who are either completely risk averse, or maybe they're in a position where their situation or circumstances force them to be risk averse just because they want to be responsible with their commitments. And I, I just want to check, am I reading that right? Yeah, so a couple of different ways to to look at it, right? So if you're that person who's sitting in the cubicle from eight to five, and you're you know absolutely hating your job, trying to figure out what's what's my path out of it, I think you have got to go down the path of you know selling some type of service, right? I think that's the fastest way to replace that income. You know, taking your skills and knowledge and applying that to a business that could use your help. And I say business because they have more money to spend than, than individuals. Sure. If you're the person who doesn't mind your job and wouldn't mind staying there, but would still like to use your free time more productively, earn some extra income to pay down debt, to go on vacation, to, you know, whatever, then I think you have a little bit more freedom and flexibility to uh, take on some more speculative projects, if that makes sense. Like writing, like writing that book, like building that online program, like Sure. Building this blog or website, like something that may not pay off for months or years down the road, or may not pay off at all. Like it's it's by by its very nature is a little more speculative. But it's like you're not the, the pain isn't great enough where you're like I need to get out of this uh, this cubicle hell uh, right away. Um, so that's, those are kind of the two different paths that I see. So so given that, let's say somebody figures out a way to shore up their monthlies, and uh, but they 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 want a sustainable business. How is there like a or maybe not a sustainable business. They want a series of sustainable hustles. <laughs> uh, do you do you give recommendations on like what they should expect in terms of how much time it'll take? Or um, like pointing back to Seth, what I'm struck by with his philosophy of business and life, it's that I'm going to, I, I never know what's going to hit, but I keep creating in the forward direction, trusting that if I keep creating enough value for my clients, this is the whole permission marketing thing, that the, the my my ideal client will eventually come around. I just don't know when. And until then, my job is to keep giving before I start getting. How do you give advice to folks that are feeling that anxiety around, um, gosh, when when will this hit? Versus like, yeah, maybe you should just you should just give up the side gigs and just go try to put all your eggs in one corporate basket somewhere. Yeah, the best way to know if you're if you're onto something is you know through one-on-one -on -one conversations like and this is a little bit cliche but it's people you know asking you for advice or asking you for help on it, once you start to see a pattern there like my friend melinda runs a site called curated cool which is one of probably a million different fashion blogs out there but in her case it's like people kept coming to her being like i really love your style where did you find that piece where did you find those boots or whatever it is and, you know, after enough people start to say these things to you, the light bulb starts to go off. Like, maybe I do have a unique sense of style or something. And, and now she's up to like 20-something thousand Instagram followers and she's wow. building a, legit, a legitimate business off of this on the backs of, you know, sponsored content and affiliate marketing and, you know, and, and now going into branching out into her own products. So there's something there's something to that, but you know more on the one to one. But that's kind of like a business to consumer model or kind of a one to many model. But where you know it gets interesting is on you know the one to one stuff. Well, you know, it, yeah, I think what you're speaking to too is there's there probably isn't a generic answer for everyone because circumstances are so unique and skill sets that 
you could parlay into side hustles uh, are again custom to the individual. But but there are there does seem to be like common principles that connect. Like one of the things that I keep hearing you talk about is being conscious of the business model you're going after. So whether it be you know business to business where you're you're actually selling to somebody who isn't writing their own check, they're spending somebody else's money and making a decision. That's a whole different business model than trying to sell to everybody or, or a particular target niche where you're selling one business to consumer one by one by one. But it seems like those are kind of intuitive to you. Like you get that there's distinctions, but some folks that are just getting started, these are whole new categories and distinctions that they haven't thought about. What are some of the common business models that you've seen people flourish with most quickest? Well, let's talk about the photography example. So one that's very near and dear to my heart is photography, because that's my my wife's side hustle of choice. She's a mechanical engineer by day, but has gotten into photography with her with her partner the last few years. Nice. And they started out, you know, as as hobbyists, right? But it, it slowly became as more and more people. Hey, would you mind coming and take my picture? Would you mind? And then, like, you know second and third degree of, of, um, you know, friends of friends. Right. And it's like, well, we should really start charging for this. And then one, one day, like in a flash of, um, inspiration, let, let's just put an ad on Craigslist. What if we, what if we go pro in Stephen Pressfield talk? Sure. Right. And they, they put they had no portfolio for weddings, but they said, we'll shoot your wedding for some absurdly low price. And, and so they, they were like, hey, you're taking a risk on us because we don't have a portfolio. That's why it's so that's why it's so affordable. But, you know, here's the here's some of our like family photography or here's some, you know, just shots we've taken around town. And within, you know, 24 hours of posting this ad, they had like half of their summer booked up, like dozens of inquiries. It's just nuts. Wow. And and then slowly and as i'm sitting here writing Kindle books and selling them for 2.99, like they have increased their price, you know, 15x since then wow. like it's just it's gone really really um it's been very impressive to see what they've what they've built as they've built the skills and built the portfolio and built the client base up and kind of the word of mouth spreads naturally in that kind of business so it's a it's a it was a portfolio building strategy working for next to nothing at the beginning but it's turned off to uh, to pay off very well and as an example hey it's a side business i don't need i don't i'm not doing this because i need the cash, right? It's just a fun hobby that could turn into um, a profitable hobby. You know, that that no need for cash thing really does create a an unfair advantage. You know, I come from the photo world, as we talked about before. And as you were talking about that phenomenon, you know, I go to these big trade shows, uh, 10, 15,000 professional photographers are there and they, they talk about your wife, right? Like they talk about that phenomenon of people who are getting into the game, no barrier to entry, they're on Craigslist. Yeah. And they're, they're rad, like they're, they're, they're total like innovators, dilemma innovator solution. They're, they're totally interrupting a market because they can <laughs> and good for them as far as I'm concerned, especially because they've gone the next step of not just building their portfolio price, but doing that 15 X jump where now, now they're competitors. But now that your wife is in that position, uh, now she's competing with the, the one fifteenth the price person on Craigslist. Uh, and, 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 uh, and what, what advice do you give to folks that are kind of more in that incumbent position where maybe they've been a photographer for the last decade or two and, uh, the market has been interrupted and shifted so radically. Um, how do you, how do you encourage them to stay relevant in an economy that's being perennially interrupted by side, side hustlers? 
Well, the, the, the professional who's been doing it for years, right, like portfolio sales, portfolio sales in copywriting, in web design, in photography, in any kind of like visual medium. And, you know, the person who's looking for a $500 photographer is not the same person who's looking for uh, a $4,000 photographer. Absolutely. Like I remember I did house painting in college and, you know, we're kind of at the end of the year awards banquet. And this guy was kind of recounting this story of like one really, really tough estimate that he'd been on. And the customer like, you know, just wouldn't make up their mind. They're like, I got to get more bids. I got to get more bids. She finally came back and said, I I got this other bid. It was like $1,300 versus this guy. It was like $2,500. And his line was like, I don't think you want the $1,300 paint job. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's a a bold move. And she was like, you're right. I don't think I do either. And she hired him. That's great. Well, yeah, and I think if you, I think I love the way you frame that up because they are completely different customers. And now that everyone can get access to a photographer, whereas before they might have not even had a photographer uh, for that, you know, for that ridiculously low price, or what, like you say, whatever kind of industry we're speaking of, uh, that there's just different categories. Where I, I read in this one book called Trade Off, where they talk about the difference between uh, convenience and fidelity. And convenience is going to be inexpensive and fidelity is going to be premium. But what you don't want to do is get caught in the middle where you're like, you want to get from that entry level price to 15x as soon as possible, but pick one mm-hmm. or the other. Don't, don't get caught in the middle. Would you agree with that philosophy? Like in any, you're right. In any industry, there's going to be somebody who's going to do it for less, right? So it's got to be the, the, the price can be part of the equation, but it can't be the only part because there's going to be somebody on Fiverr. There's going to be somebody on Elance to, you know, undercut you always. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so given this, what, what is the future for you? Like, is it just a never ending uh, <laughs> <laughs> list of side hustles or how do you, how do you map out like annual forecasting or uh, even just kind of long-term thinking or planning about uh, taking advantage of your skill set and monetizing those things, but also uh, planning long haul for future family, um, maybe even wanting to make a leap in lifestyle, those kinds of things. How do you, how do you adjust? That's a tough one because I've kind of been struggling with that this week and last. Like, okay, what's the next big project? Where where does this thing go? Because you know, as someone who's not practicing what they preach, at least in terms of this main side hustle brand, it's like, yeah, this is targeting consumers and it's targeting consumers who, you know, would like to make more money, which is not a horrible market, but a lot of times they don't necessarily have a lot of money to to start with. So it's like, okay, what can I offer on a B2B side that would be, you know, maybe maybe something along the lines of content marketing or, you know, podcasting for business or some, something that could have a, that could command a higher price point, I guess. And, and do you think this is kind of the, for other folks that are like, you have a ton of people who are paying attention. Like I'm just looking through the list of some of your greatest hits. So you have 79 side hustle business ideas. You can start today, five step system to quit your job in the next 12 months, 41 side hustle tools I use every day, the path to passive income on Udemy, even if you're not an expert, $33,000 in 30 days, getting started with private labeling and Amazon and, 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 and it goes on and on. And, and given that there are all these kinds of roadmaps past things that could work, well, is this kind of the point that everyone will get to? Like, can, is, is side hustling? This is the question. Is, <laughs> is side hustling a forever solution or is side hustling a kind of interim, uh, stopgap? I, for, for a lot of people, 
I think that the goal is to eventually get out of the, the corporate rat race. And so if any one of these things can be the path that gets you there, then that's fantastic. And for other people, it's just, hey, if, I'm, if I make an extra couple hundred bucks a month, I'm good. So I'm, I think it could go either way. Now, not all of these are, are going to get you there. And, and the people who are on the podcast are on the podcast because they're remarkable stories. Right. But it just shows kind of what's what's possible. Yeah, cause you're right. Because I mean, all of these all of these headlines sure sound attractive, and and it's you know I think about you and guys like Pat Flynn and others that are trying to really give possibility to people where they might feel really stuck, and you, it just seems like you're continually opening things up for them. And as you are experimenting yourself, like you're very transparent, you talk candidly about the things that you're actually doing, and. And I love how you're framing it as like, hey, you get to choose your own adventure here. You could create some of these side gigs as a vehicle for just now or um, as a habit ongoing, a little side money, or uh, parlay it like your wife did into something more kind of sustainable and su sus uh, like sustaining, period. Um, but th there is still the sense of like, at least in my experience, as I'm talking to a lot of folks and they come across these these headlines they're just really drawn in. They're like, oh, that just sounds so great. And sometimes I think they're reading it like it's a shortcut. Like, uh, oh, if I just do this, it's it's quick and easy, not hard and long. <laughs> but I am curious, though, just because you have great intentions in writing it and people are clicking on it, sometimes their motivation, oftentimes their motivation is not what you're intending them to take advantage of. So how do you, how do you try to reframe that for people? Right. So, so for me, it was three years of nights and weekends before I felt comfortable quitting my job. So it was definitely a not an overnight success, but did start earning uh, money right away and maybe stuck around a little bit longer than I need to just out of being conservative and, and risk averse. But it, it does take time, right? And so whenever you see the stories of like, oh, I built this you know, uh, business in six months and this is what it does. A lot of times, if that's reliant on somebody else's platform, it may not be sustainable. It may be, you know, you figured out how to game the system and not in like pay more power to you, right? That's that's fantastic. But just understand that that may not last forever. And I like even in the in the business I ran, the shoe shoe shopping comparison shopping site, like it was kind of an arbitrage play. It played in the balance between the the cost of traffic for targeted footwear searches and what that traffic was worth in terms of you know conversions and sales to these uh, different advertising partners. And over time, it, and it, it did have like a nine or ten year horizon, so it was it had a great run. But over time, like that margin got narrower and narrower to the point it was like, okay, it doesn't make sense to to keep working on this. You know, um, when you think about the world that we're in right now, it feels like everyone is becoming a freelancer. Like <laughs> uh, as as digital keeps interrupting. Uh, every market it can touch. Um, and people are, yeah, I even think of like LinkedIn and the recent acquisition of Linda. Like what a what a interesting strategy play to folks that are often looking to get a job or looking to find some gainful means to create revenue that they would hire or they would purchase a company for a significant sum to teach folks basic skill sets, whether it be 
you know, software technology, or even like I, I, I know some folks over at Linda and I noticed that they're spending a lot more time teaching courses like how to make a great impression and how to do an interview and uh, how, mm-hmm. to, how to give a public presentation. And I think that's, that's smart because it's, it's still all of these kinds of skill-based efforts that are going to have to be parlayed into this. I am a, it feels like we're all going to be destined to be independent contractors everywhere we go. Uh, is that how you view the future of, of the digitized world we live in, or do you see it a different way? It definitely seems to be trending toward that direction. I think this DAO is like one in three millennials has already started a you know one or more businesses, and a lot of those businesses were freelance operations. Sure. It's kind of a win-win if you want to look at it. You know, the rosy way is to say, hey, look, companies don't need the overhead of hiring somebody full-time. They can get access to the best talent in the world, wherever that may be. And on the freelancer side, they say, hey, I've got some flexibility. I can do work that's exciting to me and I can do it from whatever I want. The, you know, and of course, the, the negative side of that is like, hey, people don't have stable employment anymore. People don't have jobs that come with benefits anymore. People don't have you know, a stock option and all this other stuff. So there's definitely two sides of it, but it does seem to be the trend that's, that's going on. So, so given that, um, I'm a big fan of Cal Newport and his book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And one of the things he suggests isn't to go follow your passions. It's to create what he calls career capital, which it seems like that's what you're all about, is helping people see where they have kind of latent career capital and activating it. If that's true, or if you have any kind of sense of agreement or correction, please weigh in. But if there's any truth to that, when you're talking to friends over coffee, how do you encourage them to like, what do, you, what do you encourage them to do first to figure out where their options are? That was a really interesting book and very kind of like in your face about, you know, look, focus on skills. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Focus, focus on what, you know, the skills you can provide, the value you can provide to, to somebody else versus like, I'm really passionate about, you know, yoga on the beach and I don't know, like just random stuff. Right. So, right. I'd like to get paid for being myself, that whole mindset. As opposed, yeah. As opposed yeah, to yeah, impact. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, well, unless being yourself has some intrinsic value to some company, then that's a little bit, it's a little bit harder. One one gentleman I was talking to on a coaching call recently was like, I I'm all about it, but but you know what what skills do I have? So that's where the conversation starts. Is kind of looking at your job history, your resume of you know marketable skills, and by definition, any any job that you've had like was a skill somebody thought was worth paying for. And in this guy's case, he had 10 years of, uh, of call center experience in call center management, you know, on the customer service side for like big, big telecom companies. And so we were just kind of brainstorming. It's like, you know, don't you think other companies, you know, might need help in improving their call center processes? Um, you know, could you do training for them? Uh, could you could you look on Yelp for companies in your town that have horrible Yelp reviews? Because you're like, hey, you're a customer service pro. Like, hey, this is costing you real money. This is, this has got to be a bleeding neck problem in in uh, eighty twenty sales and marketing speak. Like, I can help you fix this. You know, here's how we're gonna. Here's my plan to help get you better reviews. Like, I'm a customer service pro. I've been doing this for ten years. Here's here's our game plan. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all sorts of different things can come up. You know, once you start looking at those skills and trying like pivot them to to maybe a different industry or say like who else who else could benefit from this stuff nick this is so resourceful for so many people you're giving hope and freedom and possibility to a lot of folks and i like i'm speaking on behalf of a whole bunch of 
uh, people in the crowd. Uh, thanks for all you're doing, man. And and how can people begin to find you and take advantage of all of the resources that you're creating for people? Uh, the home base is sidehustlenation.com. And if you hit up sidehustlenation.com slash ideas, you'll get that big list of, of 79 side hustle ideas that Dane mentioned. Fantastic, man. Thank you so much for being here. You bet. This was episode 052 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. GoBeCollective.com is our new home for all things Converge. There you'll find past episodes as well as Go, the unconference for creators looking to grow their business, and Fastermind Coaching, business coaching every entrepreneur can afford, and much, much more. Want to join the collective? Check out GoBeCollective.com. Music today provided by TripleScoopMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at AcreativeCo for her audio production. And a special thanks to Nick for being with us. Visit him at SideHustleNation.com. Finally, if you haven't shared an episode of Converge with a friend, would you? Think of one person right now who you think would benefit from my conversations with Seth Godin, Chris Gillibo, Ann Hanley, Ryan Holiday, Nick, and many, many others, and invite them to join in. You caring enough to do that sort of thing is a nod to us that we're doing something right, and like leaving those reviews at iTunes that we so appreciate. You guys, it makes such a difference for us. It's a really, really big deal, and we're grateful. So thanks. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time.